Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. It was a pleasure to burn... And that was a short quote. Yes. Short and to the point. Today we're going to talk about the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights. Yes. Um, a lot of people probably don't know that, that, uh, we're even, that there even is such a thing or, or such a thing being proposed, I should say. Yeah. Um, but we have talked about privacy many times on the podcast. Yep. Um, something that a lot of people are, willing to give up, at least in part, um, thanks to all the cool stuff that you can get on the internet if you're willing to give people your personal information. And really, in some cases, it's not even that you get cool stuff. It's just that there's been an avenue created where you can share personal information, and that's what people have done. True. You know, it's 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 kind of crazy. It's the sort of stuff where the thing, the kind of information that you wouldn't think to share in, say, necessarily a letter. 
mm-hmm. which is interesting because the letter there's there's some privacy guarantees to things that are that pass through the United States Postal Service mm-hmm. uh, that you do not get the same guarantee necessarily when you publish it online, and of course online allows for in many cases a much wider variety of people to get a chance to get their peepers on that information. That that's true, and it's also a good point, I think, to point out that um, uh, the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights is something that is being suggested here in the United States, and not every um, not every country in the world has the same guarantees on postal service privacy. Right. So, um, and some some countries already have uh, legislation in place that does address privacy concerns as far as uh, the internet's concerned. So, uh, this is kind of a it, it's sort of codifying behaviors and uh, best practices that a lot of people, I think, have assumed were in place already. But mm-hmm. in this case, it's saying, let's write this down, get it in black and white, uh, potentially put it into law, and then make it an enforceable list of guidelines so that companies that handle private information are doing so in a responsible manner and a transparent manner, as it turns out. Right. Right. Well, we've talked about uh, many of the companies involved in this uh, in this first round of privacy negotiations with the uh, the United States government, mm-hmm. um, and we've we've also uh, handled a lot of these issues before. Where we've talked about things like um, uh, cookies and other information that is uh, recorded about you when you visit places on the internet yep. or websites, I should say. Um, and and basically, the idea being that. Uh, you know, as we are moving farther into the 21st century, it is becoming more commonplace for us to share stuff about us, and people are, are tracking us in ways that um, that were sort of you know impossible, really, without the uh, the use of the internet. Yeah, and and a lot of people are unaware of that tracking, mm-hmm. even though in many cases the terms for that sort of tracking are laid out in uh, somewhere. Yeah, right. There's like usually a spot somewhere on a website or service where you can learn how the information you give to that site or service is used mm-hmm. and whether or not it's shared with other entities. And uh, there, it's, there's almost always some sort of terms of service that spell this out, although very few of us take the time to either find or read that, even if it's presented right in front of us. I mean, I know I've been guilty oh, yeah, of absolutely. scrolling all the way down so I can check, I I have read this and I agree. Yes. <laughs> when really it just means I have scrolled down and found the checkbox. Well, it, uh, it it's one of those things that uh, a lot of us have done, especially when we've received an invitation to a hot new social network or something yep. like that where we've we've there's been some hype built up at the beginning um and then you get your and then you get your address and it says you know hey uh Jonathan please go ahead sign up for an account you're in the beta and you, you go on and you fill it out as fast as you can you get the privacy agreement you scroll down to the bottom you click the agree button and then the pop up comes up are you sure you agree and, and you I, click and, yes and you just and, scream let me get to the pretties <laughs> Yeah, yep. And they can the uh you know, you think about it. They can put the absolute they don't even have to bother to lie to you because they know that you know, you're going to go ahead and click okay. They so know they that, can say yeah. we're going to share this stuff about you. You're okay with that, right? 
All right, then. They let's know, go. Yeah, they know that 99% of the people aren't going to read it. Yeah. And the 1% of the people who do read it are going to agree anyway because they don't want to be left out. Well, <laughs> you might I get would say or, 99% of the 1%. Yeah, there you go. You, you always have like that one guy who's, who's screaming out, you don't want to do this. Right. And, and that one guy might be right. You know, it doesn't, we're not saying that one guy is a crazy person standing out screaming out that we're all, you know, sheep, but, uh, that one guy may very well have a point. And the whole reason why this has come around is because there, there's more scrutiny now on companies, particularly big internet companies mm-hmm. that have been collecting uh, private information. And some of that scrutiny is because we've had some pretty public, uh, uh, Security breaches, like information, you know, personal information being breached by hackers and then uh, distributed. Mm-hmm. So things like, you know, personal information with addresses, maybe even credit card information, that kind of stuff has shocked people. So that so this is partially in response to that, but it's also in response to trends like search engines keeping track of your search history mm-hmm. and then using that information to market it to advertisers so that these advertisers can target people who are um uh, who, who have have certain behaviors because they they'll say oh this person tends to search for these sort of topics that means that they're probably interested in these sort of products or services Therefore, if we serve up ads to that person that advertise those kind of products and services, they're more likely to go ahead and buy them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a whole idea of the more information you have about your target audience, the more effective you can be when you are advertising to them. Uh, We've also seen this used – there's been scrutiny uh, from some fairly recent stories. Did you see the story about how Target uh, was able to identify – yes. Okay, so there's a story. We'll, We'll give some background here. Okay. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a story that definitely has some controversy around it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, Target had created a, a very effective system to identify customers, uh, and, and kind of get an idea of what that customer's, uh, life status was based upon their shopping habits. Right, right. Um, specifically, they were looking for people who were about to have a baby. Yes. And one of the reasons why this uh, was the case, you might say, well, you know, why not people who are getting ready to buy an HDTV? Well, as it turns out, the people who are about to have kids are um, people uh, tend to get in habits. Yes. And so they buy the same brands of laundry detergent and clothing and things like that for years and years and years. So what advertisers want to do is they want to find ways to get you to switch brands over to their thing. But... As it turns out, this time when people are about to have kids is a prime time for people to switch because um, things are changing drastically in their life. They start considering it's not just someone who needs a crib and someone who needs a high chair and someone who needs, uh, you know, uh, diapers and things like that. Baby supplies. It's it's for everything. Right. And uh, yeah, so they now, realized, you, now you have now you have another life that you have to consider. Yep. And this is this is the needs of a baby are different than the needs of, of an adult. Yep. And so you're, you start looking at things like, all right, well, is this detergent going to be too is this is this not going to be good for my baby? Should I should I go with something that's going to be more gentle or, you know, there's a lot of different considerations. And Target's got got well, gigs and gigs and gigs of data about customer behaviors. Yes. And so there's a, a huge amount of market research that uh, has 
sort of indicated what behaviors are uh, suggest that a person is going to have a baby. You know, mm-hmm. they, that when you start seeing these changes, that's a very good indicator that that person is planning on on the fact that they are going to have a child. So in this case, Target sent some uh, electronic coupons yes. to a uh, to a young lady, mm-hmm. uh, a, a teenager, mm-hmm. who uh, who had exhibited some of these new behaviors. Right. right. And the new behaviors triggered a uh, the algorithm that says, "Hey, this person is expecting, expecting, yeah. and they're going to go ahead and automatically mm. send this stuff out." Right. And the problem here was that this young lady had not divulged the information about her uh, her status to her father. Yes. And her father saw the coupons from Target and sent a very angry email mm-hmm. to a Target manager and said. Uh, you know, why are you saying this about my daughter? How dare you? This is, you know, insensitive. Uh, are you trying to encourage her to have a baby? She's far too young. And then uh, the the manager was trying to find a way to respond to this angry father. When later on, another email came in from the father who said, I had a discussion with my daughter. It turns out there were some things going on that I didn't know about. Uh, uh, this was not the way I would have liked to have found out, but I was in the wrong. But this really brought a lot of attention toward the practice of using customer information to react proactively, which mm-hmm. in some cases you would think that's, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a little creepy in a way yeah. that, that, uh, that a retailer knows that kind of information about you just based upon your, your habits. Mm-hmm. But then you realize you are giving the retailer information by the way you shop. That yes. just just by the way you shop, it's not even your name or your address or any of that. Mm-hmm. As long as they have some sort of customer identifier number that is attached to you, even if they don't know your name, if it's just an if it's just this number designates this particular shopper and this particular shopper has behaved in this way, then they can start to draw conclusions about what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there there's a leap here, really, that has to be made uh, for. For Target or really any of these other retailers because they're far from alone in doing yeah, this. Yeah. When, when we're using this, we're s- simply using Target as an example. It's not that they are unique in this at all. Mm-mm. Yeah. They, they, uh, they are one of many, many retailers who do this. Um, but uh, there's, there's a leap that needs to be made here. Now, Target is not collecting or, or any of these companies in, in general, we'll just say a, a retailer is not necessarily collecting this stuff to identify Jonathan Strickland as being somebody who particularly likes a specific brand of coffee. They want to know that number, you know, whatever his customer number is at yeah. the retailer likes these products. He's more inclined to buy this than that. Um, and they want to give him a positive experience. So they are trying to tailor the the customer experience as much as they can. Um, when I go to example Target, um, when the little coupon prints out, when I uh, you know swipe my card and we get our our stuff that we get there, um, the coupon printer will print out some a coupon for something that I've bought and not necessarily on this shopping trip. Right. They've gotten very good at um, printing out stuff that it's specific to what I buy with them. Right. And uh, so it's not th- it's not that they're trying to breach somebody's privacy. The leap here is that it could be used to find out information about Jonathan Strickland or Chris Paulette personally. Yes. Um so yeah, it's 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 a delicate matter on how you handle that personal information. Uh whether that means that uh, you know, you don't want to 
make your customers feel like they are being spied upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is a bad outcome. And then also you want to make sure that whatever the information you have is secure and and preferably in in most cases not. Uh, connected to an individual by name or other personal identification mm-hmm. so that there might be an, a, a customer profile on you, but mm-hmm. that profile does not directly link to your identity. Mm-hmm. Well, think about uh, companies like Netflix or Amazon.com that make recommendations based on things that you've bought before or, or consumed before, in the, in the case of Netflix, something you've watched, um, and they make recommendations. That's something that we tend to value about those services. It, right. it makes it uh, – them collecting that information makes it more enjoyable. Yeah, they're curating yeah. Their, their collections for us so that it's less yeah. work for us and then it's – it's the joy of discovery seems so much more uh, palpable because you don't have to go through you know, a, a, a 5,000 uh, movie – Titles before you mm-hmm. find one that actually sounds interesting to you. Right, right. So let's get back over to the actual privacy bill of rights. Now, the idea of of legislating uh, our rights to privacy isn't new. No. Uh, in the United States, it kind of began in the late 19th century. So the 1890s is about when we really started to uh, uh, look at ways of protecting privacy through U.S. law, apart from the guarantees that are in the Constitution, right. the state, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, your, your guarantee against unlawful search and seizure, which could be an entire episode all on its own. And in fact, I think we have talked about that on its own. But anyway, uh, it's, that's not a new idea, but the idea of trying to create this, this, uh, privacy set of guidelines for the online world is new because it's, it's a different kind of, uh, exchange of information than we've had in the past. And so, uh, the actual documents of the Consumer Privacy uh, Bill of Rights, they're, they're online. So you can go and read them yourselves if you want to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the, it's quite detailed. Yeah, there's, it's, the, the actual Bill of Rights themselves, that, that, that's probably about, uh, I think it's 14 pages of text just for the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot more about, um, how will that be enforced or how could it be enforced? Because right. this is not this is not being enacted into United States law yet. Yeah, it's this, something that's being discussed. It's a proposal and this is a proposal coming from President Obama's administration. It's not even it's not coming out of Congress. So mm-hmm. this would have to go into Congress to be debated and tweaked and destroyed and then rebuilt and then either passed or not passed and then go to the president who would then Either sign it into law or not. So, uh, here's some of the, uh, the, the language from the bill itself. It, the, the introduction, there's like an introduction, there's like a forward, an introduction, an executive summary. Every single section of this, by the way, when you read that first paragraph, feels like the opening paragraph to a college student's term <laughs> paper. <laughs> so it's like you're having to read five different openings of a term paper before you get to the content. But I'm going to I'll I'll read a little bit here. This is this kind of explains the reason why the administration felt like this was necessary. 
Citizens who feel protected from misuse of their personal information feel free to engage in commerce, to participate in political process, or to seek needed health care. This is why we have laws that protect financial privacy and health privacy and that protect consumers against unfair and deceptive uses of their information. This is why the Supreme Court has protected anonymous political speech, the same right exercised by the pamphleteers of the early republic and today's bloggers. So... This was sort of their, their, the argument by the administration saying that privacy is a very important component in life. It's something that we need in order to feel that we can securely pursue very important matters in our lives without, without the, the, the fear of that information falling into the wrong hands or being misused in any way Mm -hmm. or, or being used to lie to us. You know, once people find out more about us, they start to learn what we're vulnerable to. And um, further on, it goes, these rights give consumers clear guidance on what they should expect from those who handle their personal information and set expectations for companies that use personal data. I call on these companies to begin immediately working with privacy advocates, consumer protection enforcement agencies, and others to implement these principles in enforceable codes of conduct. My administration will work to advance these principles and work with Congress to put them into law. With this Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights, we offer the world a dynamic model of how to offer strong privacy protection and enable ongoing innovation in new information technologies. One thing should be clear, even though we live in a world in which we share personal information more freely than in the past, we must reject the conclusion that privacy is an outmoded value. It has been at the heart of our democracy from its inception and we need it now more than ever. I think that's a shot across the bow of a certain uh, social networking founder. Do you know who I'm talking about? <clears throat> Does he have curly hair and really disagrees with a pair of twin yes, yes, he rowers? Yes, he also, he also can uh, explain the excitement of a logarithmic scale in great detail. At a press conference. Yes, we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg, who mm-hmm. who infamously at this point, a couple of years ago, said that uh, he felt that he thought he thought that privacy was dying out as a social norm. Yeah. Now, what he meant by that was that the average person no longer really seemed to feel that privacy was that important or rather they didn't feel inhibited in any way from sharing information that perhaps a generation ago people would never have pushed out to the public. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not exactly a direct contradiction because what Zuckerberg was saying was that we just don't feel uh, as – as uh, we don't feel the need to keep stuff back as much as we used to. Yeah. It's not that we should ignore privacy concerns. More, It was more that we just don't see it as being as important as we used to. Uh, meanwhile, people have – Proven that Zuckerberg feels very differently about his own personal privacy. Yes. <laughs> because they've breached it multiple times and he has not found it very amusing. And no. again, I don't think that was his point. I don't think his point was that we shouldn't worry about privacy. It was more that people in general just don't seem to find it as important. Well, it's one of those situations too, I think, where it sort of ended up as a soundbite type of thing. Yeah, where he said it in easy. a public in a in a public forum and and uh it's you know hey it's a quote it's a direct quote. Yeah. So uh well not exactly what you just said but yeah, <laughs> just yeah. to clarify in case somebody writes in. Sure. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, he he did say those things and uh people said hey it, you know Mark says privacy's dead. Yeah. And right, which was definitely an oversimplification of what he was saying. But yeah. but 
also, you know, it's when you're speaking off the cuff, it's also really easy to give a sound bite that doesn't entirely encapsulate what you're thinking. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> we've, we've had that same situation here. Oh, many, many times. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll board it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby Award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. 
So let's but, get into the actual Bill of Rights, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I figure it's probably, um, uh, although it's kind of uh, thick in places, we should probably get into the uh, specific provisions. There are seven, yes. I believe, that are, are um, where they're trying to, to work with people to make this happen. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, the, the language refers to them as FIPS, F-I-P-P-S, FIPS, mm-hmm. because they are... Uh, fair Information Practice Principles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or FIPS. Fip, fip, fip. Yeah, I, I actually skimmed ahead and was yes. reading, and I started seeing references to FIPS, and it was before I saw what the breakout was for the acronym. And I had many enjoyable moments trying to come up with what FIPS could stand for. None, okay. of, them, none of them were right, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's, that's tangential. Well, one of the the first is uh, the individual control of your personal information. Yes. Uh, basically, they're saying that uh, you you should be the one in charge. Yes. Of whether or not you give this information away and what happens to it. So essentially, what this is saying is that whenever you are signing up for any sort of service or or a site or whatever, that when they the company or organization asks for your information. You have the right to either give that information or not give that information. And furthermore, you can actually uh, uh, dictate how that information will be used. So mm-hmm. in other words, um, you know, you, if you give that information to the company, if you choose to do it, uh, you should still be able to say, hey, you know, I w- I'm giving this information to you, but I'm doing it so that you can do this set of things and nothing beyond that set of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- that's interesting. I'm wondering how how well that will be enforced. Uh, and a lot of these, by the way, we're going to go through them all, but a lot of these are going to kind of overlap each other or complement each other. So uh, there'll be some uh, some similarities throughout these 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 uh, rights, these FIPS. Yes, yes. Now uh, the second is uh, transparency. Yes. So so what they're saying is the company should tell you up front or or during the entire time that you have an account with them that. Exactly how your information is going to be used, um, and and for what means. They also for privacy and security. Yes, yes. They also the security was what I was going to address. They also have to let you know how your data is going to be protected, mm-hmm. because that's, that's nice to know. Yeah, it's that, again that's one of the reasons why this 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 uh, legislation or proposed uh, guidelines. I guess I shouldn't say legislation. Proposed guidelines. It's why they were part of the reason why they exist is because. Uh, people, when they are signing over information to a company, a lot of us just kind of assume that it's sort of sitting in a database somewhere, but that's it. Like mm-hmm. it's not doing anything else and it's completely secure. That's not always the case. I mean, you want to know if it, if your information is going to be encrypted. Is it being saved in plain text? Plain text, by the way, is what we call a bad thing. <laughs> um, encrypted is better. Uh, and when it's being used between companies, like if we're talking about information that ultimately is going to be used in order to get advertisers to send you information or to post ads on the site that you're visiting all the time, mm-hmm. uh, you want to make sure that however they are conveying your information to the advertiser, that it's secure. Yes. And they need to make sure that that is easily Understood and easily available to to check out. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole transparency issue. Mm-hmm. Then there's respect for t- context, and this is one of those that sort of sounds a little bit like an, an overlap because what they're saying is, um, so let's say you've agreed to their the uh, company's terms. Yeah. Um, 
the company should respect that you've agreed to those terms. So um, you've uh, agreed to let your information be shared with select advertisers, but they shouldn't go out and give it to uh, – and sell your name to random mailing lists. Right. Because within – you've uh, had the context of I'm signing up for this within these boundaries. Yeah. And they're saying you can't take it past that. Right. That's very good. And then, Thank you. then next is security, which of course I've just chatted about. But this way, the, you know, the transparency is letting you know yeah. how and, and, uh, your data is being uh, protected. Mm-hmm. This is actually saying protect the data. Yeah. Because it, it says that consumers have a right to secure and responsible handling of personal data. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is actually putting it on those sites and services to make sure that the information you give them is protected reasonably from any sort of intrusion mm-hmm. or uh, it could be anything from a hacker hacking their way into the servers to someone walking into the company and physically taking a machine out of the company because that has happened. Yes, it has. You know, we, we often think when we're thinking about stealing information, we often think about the whole Hollywood style where the, the cute nerdy chick uh, is sitting down at a at a laptop and after about, uh, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds of typing on a keyboard, I'm in. And then you just, you know, you see like the little progress bar filling up and the, as the USB drive is, is getting all the information. Meanwhile, the security guys are closing in. Will she get away? Well, I'm watching the wrong movies. Um, yeah. Warehouse 13, you know, Chloe. Oh man. Call me. Anyway. So the other, way you could do it is you could have like a big guy named Al just walks into the building, <laughs> picks up a computer and leaves and then just they're, all the information on that computer is right there. By the way, it does not he does not have to be called Al nor does he have to be a big guy. <laughs> I'm here from the computer cleaners. Okay, it's right over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's social engineering and that happens way more frequently than the whole let's breach this thing by you know, brute forcing the password. <laughs> Social engineering is much more effective. If you can walk up and talk to somebody and convince them that you are the person who d- needs to do this one particular thing, it's amazing how frequently that works. What happened to number 17? Oh, it's out the cleaners. Yeah. What do you what? mean <laughs> out of the cleaners? That had all our customer data on it. Wah, wah. <laughs> Access and accuracy. Is yes. The, the fifth. Yeah. And basically, uh, people have a right to be able to uh, get to their personal data and make changes to it if they need to, to make sure it's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so things like if you have changed your address or if you've changed an important status in your life, like you've gotten married or maybe you got divorced or maybe you've had kids or, you know. It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the Facebook. It's complicated. But it's where you want to be able to go in there and make those changes so that the information is still accurate. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, that just makes sense. And I think most companies tend to do that. I mean, because they want to have the most accurate information about you. It doesn't yeah. do them any good if the information they have about you is out of date. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's not the reason. <laughs> they don't care. Right. <laughs> Ultimately, I think most of these companies don't really care about your personal information uh, on a on a personal level at all. It's not like they're trying to spy on you to figure out what you are doing in any, you know, for any nefarious purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about profit, really, when it comes down to it. Or some, in some cases, it's about trying to tailor the experience so that it is the most meaningful to you, mm-hmm. which is a, feels a little more altruistic. But 
ultimately it does come down to dollars and cents and not so much of uh we were watching you. <laughs> Sorry, stuff they don't want you to know. <laughs> Shout out. And then there's um one of my favorites, focused collection. Yes. Which is basically saying we're not going to collect or, or the company is not allowed to collect anything else other than the stuff it needs to do its job. Yeah. So in other words, if you sign up for a coupon site, mm-hmm. let's say a coupon service yeah. that's going to deliver coupons that are of interest to you uh, and are uh, applicable to you in your region. So we're so- talking about something like Groupon, right? Okay, yeah. something like Groupon, where you sign up, and part of Groupon is that you tell it where you live, because mm-hmm. you know it doesn't want to send you coupons for a place that's a thousand miles away. It doesn't do you any good, and you tell Groupon what you're interested in, mm-hmm. so that way it's sending you relevant coupons. Because if you are really interested in outdoor adventures, but you don't have a whole lot of interest in pottery, then you don't want to keep getting, you know, invites to go take another pottery class. You know, it's just not. That's not what you care about. Well, then that information makes perfect sense for Groupon to pull from you, you know, your address or your zip code or whatever, your, the region you are in and what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. But other things might not matter so much. Like it, w- it wouldn't matter for the service that Groupon is providing to you. Mm-hmm. So things like the names of all your relatives, your social security number, your birth date, your driver's license number, Mm -hmm. this kind of information is not relevant to the service Groupon is providing. And therefore, according to this Bill of Rights, Groupon should not ask you for it, nor should you feel compelled to share it, because why would they need that Mm -hmm. to do what they do? You're you're never going to let me live down that uh, pottery skydiving class, are you? You know – he tells me that it was uh, always supposed to be an ashtray, but I am absolutely certain that originally that wasn't going to be an urn. Oh, I, oh, let's move on. Okay. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling 
is choosing the right travel partner. Jean! Eugene Fodor! Jean, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jean, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return, your time won't, and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. So uh, one of the things that uh, they're talking about embracing is something that uh, that has been around for a while now, the do not track technology, which is really less of a technology and more of an agreement um, in a way, it's sort of like a gentleman's agreement between an advertiser and uh, and, and the the customer. Um, and the technology behind it is browser based. Yeah. So uh, um, Firefox, the most recent versions of Firefox have do not track in there, and uh, Mozilla baked it in there so that you could say, "Hey, I, I'm." It's basically uh, a little information that goes along with a, a query for a site that says, "I don't want to be tracked." And uh, you you go to visit you know mywonderfulsandwich.com. dot com, and you know if mywonderfulsandwich.com dot com decides that now that lunch is over they want to know what else what other kinds of foods you like, um, you know they don't have to participate in the agreement at all. Yeah. But uh, you've already told them that you don't want to. Now if they're behaving responsibly, they might say, "All right, no, no, we know, we know, you're just looking for lunch, no big deal." Um, but now they're they're trying to uh, they're trying to get more people to embrace that, and I know that Google has said it will add that to Chrome um, as well. So you know this this may end up being part of the technology that uh, helps support this this legislation and, if and it becomes legislation. And this falls into Hopefully. what is the final FIP, FIP, which is accountability. Yes. And accountability is all about the fact that it, the wording in the actual document is that consumers have a right to have personal data handled by companies with appropriate measures in place to assure they adhere to the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we're talking about here is that, you know, you have a right to, uh, to be able to use a browser that's not going to necessarily collect all that information without you knowing it or not even a browser, but like search engines. You know, again, we're talking about Google here. 
um, mainly um, other search engines too. But you know, <clears throat> if you're using Google and you're, you're searching for stuff all day long, like some of us, you know, I do it all day long. That's my job is to mm-hmm. you, you know search information and pull it together and write articles. Um, then you know you'd like to have a little more control over that so that you don't have all these different potential. Uh, companies and organizations having access to your personal information and making decisions about you over which you have no control. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have that kind of power as an individual. And but, you know, fairly recently, there have been some reports about how companies like Google have signed on with this, saying that this is this is a great idea. And you might think this this these guidelines sound like they could potentially, you know, put a dent. In some business here. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a couple reasons why, or a couple reasons why Google and other companies like Google might be behind the guidelines that aren't exactly like, yes, we also believe in privacy. Uh, not to say that that motivation isn't there. It may very well be, but there are other alternative reasons why they might be behind this. And one of those is that, well, it's a good PR move to say, Customer privacy is one of our main concerns as well. We want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. So that's a good PR move. Another is this isn't legislation. Right. It's not baked into law. So there's no real danger in saying uh, sure as opposed to opposing it because there was actual legislation in California for a state uh, uh, legislation uh, that would – Kind of approach the same sort of subject matter as these this this uh, Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. and companies like Google were very much not in favor of it. Mm-hmm. So when it when it moved to the actual legislation phase, there was a lot more opposition. Now, right here, where it's not where, where it's a great idea, but it's not really enforceable, not from a legal standpoint. Uh, it, it could be enforceable uh, if companies took it upon themselves to enforce it mm-hmm. on their own practices, but there's no teeth behind it right now. Uh, it, there's nothing dangerous about saying, sure, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So there's that as well. And, you know, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to say that any company has a particular motivation. I'll just say that the behaviors when it was in California legislation debate, and the behaviors when it's in a proposal that doesn't have any legal backing to it are different. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about um, about how things will be enforced. And the Federal Trade Commission would be the department of the United States government that would be responsible for making sure that uh, companies behave themselves and, and follow the guidelines set forth in, in this um, – uh, in this document. And, uh, well, you know, I, I don't know how much they'd be able to do. They, that's the problem. See, at this point, this document is not, uh, as, as Jonathan pointed out, it's not legislation. It's not, uh, a proposed legislation. It's really more of a set of guidelines. So what the legislation would be would be actually, uh, more about how it would be enforced and it would, it would set forth those uh, instructions on how they would move going forward. And keep in mind that if this were to enter, uh, legislation, like if it was, if it would, if it enters that phase, then the changes that would be made to the language would, po- 
possibly be quite drastic. Mm-hmm. And it could be that the outcome is completely different than what this proposal is. Mm-hmm. So Actually, that's it's pretty much a guarantee. Maybe yeah. not completely different, but significantly different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think the idea behind it is sound. There are are several of the uh, um, agencies that have been um, outspoken in rights, including the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Yeah, um, they're all about that. Yes, and they basically said, "Hey, we like the idea behind it. We're interested to see what's going to happen." So um, it, it will be interesting to see how it goes forward and and how. Um, whether or not it inspires others and uh, and other places to create similar legislation and and maybe curtail some of this or or you know give people a good idea of how their information is being used and honestly I think that is probably the biggest um, most useful thing that would come out of of that too because people really want to use these services um, and companies you know everybody's sort of in agreement but it would be nice to know how information is being stored and exactly what's being collected and then not that excess information is not being used um, and and retained if it, it doesn't need to be there in the first place yeah at least that's my opinion uh, I agree entirely so, all right well and uh yeah it'll be you know we'll have to see how this turns out I mean the whole argument about privacy and and what people should be uh, what's reasonable for us to expect as consumers? Uh, how much of that responsibility falls on us versus the the entities that are gathering our information? Mm-hmm. That debate is going to go on for a while, uh, probably forever. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll 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 switch back and forth quite a bit. But uh, it's just good to remember that when you go and you sign up for these things, whether it's a social networking site or a uh, and even an app that you might put on a smartphone mm-hmm. keep in mind that uh, a lot of these companies you know they're they're making some serious cash off your personal information personal information is the digital currency mm-hmm. right uh, and so uh, you know just do a little thinking about that some critical thinking about how your information is going to be used and really it comes down to right now are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. And if you are okay with that, if you if you trust the source and you th- feel that your information's in capable hands and you don't mind it being used for advertising purposes or whatever, then you're fine. If you feel that it's not the right thing for you, then you might want to you know give a second thought to actually joining that site or or engaging that service. Mm-hmm. It's a tough. You know, it's a tough choice to make sometimes because sometimes we just want something so badly that we're willing to uh, to cut some corners that could potentially come back to haunt us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and then there are cases where we have no control over it whatsoever. Like the Epsilon hack is a good example, mm-hmm. where you know the the consumers who had their information stolen in the Epsilon hack weren't dealing with Epsilon directly. They were dealing with companies that were customers of Epsilon. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that was one of those things that was really tough, uh, a really tough situation because if you, tr- you might trust the company you're doing business with, but you don't necessarily know what companies they're doing business with. Right, right. And a lot of people who signed up for that didn't realize they were signing up for that because, um, by and large, the, the companies that had their information stored with Epsilon, uh, were retailers and people had signed up for loyalty cards, not realizing that 
uh, or I guess probably not thinking about the idea that, hey, they're going to put this on a computer somewhere and that computer could be hacked and my personal information could be taken. Right. Um, not like signing up for an account on a computer where you're saying, I am entering this information into the computer myself. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a bit of a, an intermediary there where you're, you're going, oh, well, I'm giving, I, I filled this out by hand and I handed it to the guy at the service desk and he gave me a card that I'm going to go use and, uh, buy some groceries now. Yeah, it, it, it's it's to the average consumer. Yeah, from that. to the average consumer, it probably felt more like using a coupon. Yeah, you know, you and clip, it, clip a coupon out of a pay, piece of paper, and you 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 use it when you buy something. You know, that's not attached to you at all. Yeah, and it's between you and this real retailer. Well, as it turns out, all those retailers are working with this one company. Yeah, that and, was had massive databases, and yes. yeah, so. Yeah, uh, it's it's a sticky issue, and it's going to be it's just going to get more and more important because again, like the whole uh, visibility of of security hacking has increased over the last I'd say like five or ten years, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't look like the hackers are giving up anytime soon. Right. So anyway, well, that's our discussion about the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights. Uh, it we'll see whether or not it's ever uh, put into law and if it turns out to be an effective piece of legislation all of that's still in question if you guys have any ideas for topics that we should cover here on Tech Stuff please let us know you can email us our address is techstuff at discovery.com or you can send us a message via Twitter or Facebook our handle there is techstuffhsw and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.